Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to flood the world with God's truth. We welcome you today for another great lesson here in the Old Testament as we continue to look at the Old Testament throughout this year, 2022. When this year ends, we will go to that glorious new gospel, the New Testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a powerful year that will be next year as we study the life of our Savior. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He rose from the dead on the third day in accordance with the prophecies in the Holy Scripture. He is our Lord, our Savior, our God, and our Redeemer. Let heaven and earth shout praises to his holy name. Let's look today at that new prophet this week that we're looking at in the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was living at the time that the Babylonians came in and conquered Jerusalem, burned down the temple, and led the kingdom of Judah captive off to uh, Babylon, where they were there for the next uh, 70 years. And, uh, you know, just as the Isaiah and all the prophets had testified that that event would happen, uh, Jeremiah, unfortunately, was the one that had to live to see those days. And so we look at Jeremiah uh, in the Book of Mormon. This is where the, the Book of Mormon picks up with Lehi around the same time as Jeremiah prophesying, if the people don't repent, God would destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. He doesn't mention that Jeremiah by name, but Lehi, you know, mentions that there were other prophets going around preaching repentance to the people. Jeremiah was one of these prophets. Jeremiah, we learn in verse one, was a son of Hilkiah, the priest. So here he comes from a priestly family uh, from the tribe of Levi. So this is the first time now God's kind of using another now another tribe and another prophet, you know, another profession. He's tried a lot of professions, right? Now he's going to actually go with a religious one, one from a religious family, one who was a who was a priest. And so look here at the divine calling of Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations. Now let's look at um, chapter one and verse uh, four through nineteen. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. So again, here's the evidence that there was pre-existence, that mankind lived as spirit children of our Heavenly Father in his royal mansions, his royal heavenly kingdom above. He knew us, as he says here. Before I formed you in the belly, before I put you into mortal flesh, put your spirit into a mortal baby within your mother's womb, I knew you. I lived with you for millions and millions of years. I knew you very well. I knew all your abilities, all your skills, and, and how you could be at best uh, service to me in my kingdom. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. So in the pre-existence, the, uh, God himself ordained Jeremiah to come forward in around 600 BC to be a prophet to the nations. Every time he, uh, someone who receives a calling such as that, they were foreordained to that very calling in the pre-mortal council. The role of a prophet is to be a prophet to the nations, not just one nation, not just one people, not just one tribe, but to the whole world, to all the nations. It says here, then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. Oh, wow, he sounds like Moses, right? They always, they always fall, in, fall into this excuse, right? I cannot speak, uh, but I'm just, but a uh, child. Right? And Moses said he was a stutterer, right? He stuttered. And here he's, Jeremiah saying, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just a child. But the Lord said unto me, don't say you're just a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Whatsoever I shall command thee, thou shalt speak. That's the role of the prophet, to speak only the words of God. Those who serve as prophets, those who serve as apostles, other inspired holy men, uh, disciples of Jesus Christ, are to go forward and preach the word of Jesus Christ and only say what God tells them to say. They are not 
to voice their own opinion on matters. God did not call them to voice their own opinion. God doesn't even care what their own opinion is. It doesn't matter whether they personally agree with certain things that, that God wants them to declare to the people. doesn't matter. God did not call them for to hear their own personal opinions on such matters. They had to go forward and boldly proclaim the word of God, whether they agree with it, whether they like it or not. They are to preach the word of God and only preach the word of God, the things that God tells them. If God doesn't tell them to say a certain word, they should keep their mouth shut until God commands them to speak such a, 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 a word to the people. We've seen this many times, many examples, many scriptures throughout the past three years that we've been doing this, where the prophets are being commanded the same thing over and over again must be highly important if God has told them this in the Doctrine and Covenants, in the Book of Mormon, in the Old Testament. He's going to say it also in the New Testament next year. Be not afraid of their faces. You do not to fear. If you're to be called by God to be a religious leader, do not fear, right? You are on God's errand. God is your protector. God is your shield. He will shield you until the appropriate time in which he will call you home. There's no need to, to worry. You are to be bold. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. So God touching his mouth, Jeremiah seen the Lord, as we've seen before, all the way from Numbers 12, 6, right? How do you know if there's a prophet among the people? I, the Lord God, will appear to him in a vision, speak to him in a dream, right? You have to see God if you're to be a true prophet. You can be set apart and hold a, you know, a, a position as a prophet, as, as a, you know, as an apostle. And there's multiple churches who have uh, people, you know, religious leaders who claim to be apostles, claim to be prophets, right? You can claim that and you can serve in a calling like that. But to be a true apostle, to be a true prophet of God, you have to see the Lord. That requirement has never changed. It was there all the way through the Old Testament. It was there in the New Testament when they, uh, when we just looked at the example with Moses and uh, Aaron and Miriam, where they start complaining about his, God only called Moses to be a prophet. I, the Lord, will appear to him in a vision and speak to him in a dream. When they go to replace Judas in the New Testament in Acts as one of the apostles, what was the requirement? They had to be a witness of the resurrection, right? So, in today's world, today's society, it may be possible to serve in a calling within a church and be called an apostle or a prophet and have not seen the Lord. That, that's possible, but they should still be trying and doing everything they can until God opens up the heavenly vision and they see him face to face, just as all the holy prophets have done before and just as all the holy prophets will do going forward in the future. And so here Jeremiah is having God appear to him and touch his lips. I have put my words into your mouth. See, I have set thee this day uh, over the nations, because your ministry is to all the nations, and over the kingdoms, plural again, to root out and to pull down and to destroy. Not to speak peaceful things to the people, not to speak flattering words to the people, you know, and just, you know, you got to be politically correct. Oh, no, we're scared to say this. We'd be scared to say that. God's never called up. God has never truly, they may have been called by the person in their church to the high positions, but God has never personally called anybody who's out worried about being politically correct, right? They are to speak the word of God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus Christ, we looked at before, are the two great offenders in, in this world, right? They are the two great offenders. When they speak, they offend people. Because the only way you can ever work in somebody's heart is by pricking them, right? The Holy Ghost and Jesus have to speak in such a way to a person that they do get offended. Then it's up to them to make a decision. Will they harden their hearts against God and reject them from their lives? Or will they decide to repent and accept him into their lives. God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost go forward with that goal in mind, to make people make a decision whether they will accept him or not. 
You cannot do that being politically correct. You cannot do that speaking only nice, sweet things that people want to hear. You have to speak what the people don't want to hear. You got to speak what God wants you to say. Okay, so then he comes down here. So he's to preach in such a way that he's rooting out and he's pulling down and he's destroying and he's throwing down and at the same time building up those who do want to repent and come unto the Lord and planting into the hearts of those who will begin to think about it and begin to incorporate those changes into their life. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a rod of an almond, almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north the Babylonians will be coming and break forth upon all the inhabitants of this land in Jerusalem. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come. And they shall set everyone his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Again, right? It must be important. He continues to tell the prophets this, right? Don't speak your own personal opinion. I'm not interested in your personal opinion. I didn't call you to speak your personal opinion. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you like my plan or not. I've called you to be a prophet. You speak the word of God, whether you like it or not. Whatever your personal opinion is, doesn't matter. You speak the word of God. Speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them, right? For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, Jeremiah, an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, and but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. They cannot kill you before it's your time. I will be with you to bless and protect you. Mighty great chapter here, chapter one. Uh, chapter two, let's look at one through six. Moreover, the word of, word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Ko amar Adonai, thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thy espousals when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not so. Israel was holiness in the Lord. You were once holy to me, right? I remember your good works, your your holiness before. And the first fruits of his increase, all that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon him, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far away from me, and have walked after vanity and become vain, right? And he says in verse 6, look, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that part of the Red Seas. What, what evil did you find in me that you should forsake me and seek after other gods? Uh, verse 8, the priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handled the law didn't even know me. They were handling the law. They were keeping the scrolls of the, of the biblical text, but they didn't even know me. And the pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after the things that do not profit. Once again, sounds exactly what Jesus Christ said again to the prophet Joseph Smith in 1820. When Joseph Smith went to the Lord to ask among which of all the churches that were around in 1820 was God's true church. And what did God say? Exactly this kind of thing, didn't he? That their pastors also transgressed against me, right? He called their pastors corrupt. He said they were corrupt. He said that their false gods that they worship in these abominable false Christian creeds are an abomination in his sight. 
He told Joseph Smith twice, join none of those churches. They are all corrupt. They are all wrong. Exactly as he was talking here to Jeremiah, just the same Jesus Christ that also talked in the New Testament, the same Jesus Christ that appeared nearly 2,000 years later to the prophet Joseph Smith. Verse 9, wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children while I plead. I continue to hold out my hand in the hopes that you will repent and come unto me so I can bless you. Love them. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. And what a sad thing this is. God has promised us that we can become gods like him, that we will inherit all things that Jesus Christ inherited. We're told that Jesus Christ inherited all things that the Father has. So if we inherit all things according to the New Testament that Jesus Christ has, Jesus Christ inherited all things the Father hath. We therefore inherit all things that the Father hath. That is great, true glory. But yet people exchange that glory and give up all of that for something that doesn't even profit. There are sins that don't even give them profit and they exchange their glory of being one with the Father and one with Jesus Christ for that which doth not profit. What a sad commentary on human nature. 19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. It is evil and a bitter thing to forsake the Lord your God, and that my fear is not in thee. Remember, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but you don't even have that, you people. You don't even have the fear of the Lord. You don't even have the beginning of wisdom. Saith the Lord God of hosts. 20. For of old time I have broken the yoke and burst thy bands, and thou said, I will not transgress. Whereupon every high hill and upon every green tree, thou wondrous playing the harlot. You go worship false gods through sexual immorality by having sex with temple prostitutes. 28 through 30. But where are thy gods that have made you, right? I'm the one that made you, but you worship these other gods. Where are the gods who made you? Let them arise if they can save thee in the time of your trouble, right? Let's see if your false gods that you're worshiping and bowing down to will save you. Let's see if your false creeds of an abominable apostate Christianity can save you with a God that's everywhere and at the same time nowhere present, right? Let's see. Let's see if that God will. The days of trouble and the days of your affliction and the days of the serious warfare at the end of the world. Let's see if you pray to that false God. If that false God, the, the three in one, one in three, everywhere present, yet nowhere present. Let's see if that God can come save you is what God's saying here. That God does not exist. That God is dead. It's false God it doesn't even exist. He cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ. and of the Bible, only the Jesus of the Bible and the God of the Bible can save you. So turn, turn to them. He says here, let them arise if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. For according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. You're worshiping a lot of false gods here. Wherefore, were ye plead with me? Ye have all transgressed against me, saith Yahweh. In vain have I smitten your children, they received no correction. Remember, that's what he's complaining that in Isaiah 1, right? Isaiah chapter 1, he said, well, what more affliction can I pour out upon you? You don't even correct your behavior. So it does me no good to continue to afflict you and pour out judgments upon you. It doesn't even do it, you do you any good. He says, uh, they have received no correction. Your own sword have devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. You even kill your own prophets. Chapter 3, let's look at 6 through 15. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen that which backsliding Israel had done? Remember, there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel in the north with the ten tribes led by the tribe of Ephraim and the south, the kingdom of Judah. And he says here, 
Have you seen that which backslided Israel have done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot by having sexual intercourse with temple prostitutes worshiping false gods. And I said after she had done all these things, yet turn to me, but she didn't even return. And her treacherous sister Judah, the king, southern kingdom of Judah, saw it. They saw what Israel was doing. Right? And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away. Remember, if you're according to law of Moses, your wife commits adultery, you're allowed to put her away, right? Therefore, I got put away Israel. I allowed the Assyrians to come in in 722 and destroy the 10 tribes and lead the, the remnant of them away, uh, you know, as captives. It says here, let's um, see, uh, and it came to pass through the, uh, let's see, and, and put away her, put her away in verse 8, yeah. And given her a bill of divorce, yet her treacherous sister Judah did not even fear after they saw what I allowed the Assyrians to do to their cousins, right, to, to the fellow tribes of Israel. But they went and played the harlot also. They went and engaged in sexual immorality and, and worshiping false gods. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land. And committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not turn unto me with her whole heart. But faintly saith the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, the backslide in Israel had justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord. And I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and will not keep anger forever. God wants to be merciful. He does not want to be angry. He wants to love you and bless you. Only acknowledge. The only thing I'm asking is you to acknowledge your iniquity. The beginning of the repentance process. Just acknowledge to God that you have sinned and what sins you've committed. That thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn all backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors, not the false kind who preach false abominable heresies and false abominable creeds, but I will give you pastors according to my own heart who teach God's truth, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. 17 through 18. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. For he will reign during the millennium rest from there. And all nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. And they too shall come together out of the land of the north, to the land I've given for inheritance unto your father. They shall be one together again. 21 through 22. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplication of the children of Israel, for they have perverted, they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art our Lord God. Okay, so that takes care of chapter 3. Uh, now we get a powerful, powerful sermon, complete sermon here of Jeremiah, <coughs> here in chapter 7. So let's look at chapter 7 here, beginning verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying again, notice he's not speaking his own personal opinion. He's not speaking what he wants to say. He continues to speak the word of the Lord, and that's why God called him to be his prophet. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand at the gate of the Lord's house. So go stand in the, in the temple at the gate and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and mend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. 
That's all you have to do. If you had just listened and changed your ways, God would have allowed you to continue to live there in Jerusalem. He would not have destroyed you. He would not have destroyed the temple. He would not have taken you off to Babylon. Don't trust in lying words saying the temple of the Lord. Here we go, right? The temple of the, these are lying words. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Remember, that's how Book of Mormon starts out too, right? Uh, Laman and Lamiel don't believe Jerusalem will be destroyed because they have the temple there. As long as the temple's there, God will not allow the temple to be destroyed. He will not allow the holy city, Jerusalem, to be destroyed. And yet as a glorious vision and in, a, in the uh, uh, Old Testament uh, uh, pseudepigraphal or apothecal writing in Second Baruch, uh, Baruch sees the spirit of the Lord go up into heaven right before the Babylonians come in to conquer it. God deserted the place. God removed the spirit from the temple, from the city of Jerusalem, and therefore the Babylonians were allowed to come in to destroy it. Don't trust in the temple and say, I can live wicked. As long as we have the temple, God will bless us, right? He will destroy his own temples if he needs to, and he has done that, and he may yet do that in the future. So you can't rely on just because you have a temple in your city that you're okay. You're, you're not beyond destruction. God can still destroy the temple, still destroy your city if you don't amend your ways and come unto him. For if ye truly amend your ways and your doings, if ye truly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you don't oppress the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and don't shed innocent blood in this place, and you don't walk after gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery? And swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not, including these false creeds of an abominable apostate Christian, so-called Christianity. And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. Now, this is 600 years before, right? 600 years later, Jesus, as the mortal Messiah, overturns the temples and the money changers and drives them out of the uh, temple, right? And says the, from this verse, right, don't make my house, you know, a den of robbers. But go ye now into my place, which is in Shiloh, where I set up my name at first, where they first had the tabernacle, right? And look and see. What happened to Shiloh got completely destroyed, right? Because of the wickedness of my people, Israel. And now because you have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I do unto this house, this temple in Jerusalem, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, you think I won't destroy it. And unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers as I have done to Shiloh, I will completely destroy it. And I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Therefore pray not thou for this people. Look, look at this. How powerful is that? Say, don't even pray for these people because God's already made the judgment. He made the decision to make the judgment. He's going to pour out his judgments. Don't even pray for the people. Neither lift up cry, don't even cry for him, don't pray for him, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. If you pray, Jeremiah, if the other righteous people pray for the people of Jerusalem, I will not hear you. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women need their dough to make cakes to the false goddess, the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. So the kids are out gathering the materials for these things. Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, behold, my anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, this temple in Jerusalem, this city, Jerusalem, upon man and upon beast. And upon the trees of the field, and upon the I'm going to destroy it all, and he shall, and it shall burn and not be quenched. 
Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people and walk ye in all the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well with you. That's all he said. Just, just you know, obey my voice, and I will be your God. Walk in all the ways I've commanded you, and it will be well unto you. But the eye hath not seen, nor the ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man those things I have prepared for you. Verse 24, but they did not hearken, they did not incline their ear, they, but walked in the counsels and imagination of their own evil hearts and went backwards and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up and sending them. Yet they did not hearken unto me. They did not incline their ear, but they hardened their heart. They did worse than even their fathers did. Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, Jeremiah, but they will not hearken unto you either. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer you. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from the mouth. Cut off thine hair, O Jerusalem, and cast it away, and take up a lamentation on the high places. High place, again, is the false the temples, false the sacred sites uh, to their false gods. For the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the, genera this ge the generation of his wrath. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name to pollute it. They've been doing abominations in my own house. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, where they burn their sons and daughters into Chemish. And I did not command them to do that. Neither did it even, neither came into my own heart. It didn't even occur to me to command them to burn their children as sacrifices. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place, and the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heavens, for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness. There will be no people happy anymore. There will be no voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom, the voice of bride, for the land shall be desolate. This temple, temple destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the, uh, the kingdom of Judah, the Jewish people, off as captives in Babylon for the next 70 years. So what a powerful uh, sermon here of the uh, prophet Jeremiah again, the words that God told him to say. We don't know what his personal opinion was on the matter. We don't know whether he personally liked this or not. Later on, he's going to, in a later chapter we're going to be getting to, he's going to say he didn't like it, right? <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he didn't like this kind of stuff, but he was willing to do it and because God commanded him to do so. Okay, chapter 16, we'll look at verse 1 through 5. The word of the Lord, again, right? Not, not Jeremiah's personal opinion. Not Jer <laughs> Jeremiah came out and gave some speech to some, some uh, organization, uh, you know, United Nations organization or something, voiced their own opinion, right? He said, the word of the Lord came unto me. And that is the word that he's going to speak here. He says, and, and listen to poor Jeremiah here. You know, what a um, tragedy here. Thou shalt not take thee a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. So, you know, one of the great uh, joys in life is to be a, a father or a mother and to have children, right? But Jeremiah is not given that blessing from the Lord. Now watch and learn the reason why. 
And so it is in today's society. There are some people who just never have the opportunity to be married. They don't have the opportunity to be a father or mother, not to have uh, children. You don't know God's love and mercy in doing that to you. You don't know what may have happened to them had you had children. You don't know what, what may have happened to your wife or your husband if you, he had allowed you to, to get married. So some of these things are in his love and in his mercy that he prevents current blessings from you with the promise that at some point later on, whether in this life or in the world to come, you shall yet have the opportunity to be married. You shall yet have the opportunity to have children. And so here he says the reason why he's telling Jeremiah not to get married, not to have children. For thus saith the Lord concerning the sons and concerning the daughters that are born in this place and concerning their mothers that bear them and concerning their fathers that begot them in this land. He says, they shall die of grievous death. So if I had allowed you, Jeremiah, to be married, to have children, they would die grievous deaths. You would not want that to happen to them. They shall not be lamented, neither shall they be buried, but they shall be as the, as the, uh, as dung, as the, uh, you know, as the poo, as the, as the, I don't know what words to use here to be familiar to everybody and all the nations that were watching, that are watching this here today. Uh, but this, uh, you know, the human waste, they shall be as human, uh, waste and not even be buried. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. You know, did you want your kids to go hungry and to die in a famine and then be slaughtered by the sword, Jeremiah? And their carcasses shall be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. So now while this is a maybe an extreme example, the point is here is to examine your life. Those of you who have not been blessed to be married or to have children, what may have happened if you did? Maybe it's out of God's love and his mercy for you and for you. what would have been your children that he didn't allow you to have to suffer watching them be killed by the sword and to die of famine and all these things, just as he prevented Jeremiah from getting married and having children. So he would not have to watch his children suffer this way. Powerful doctrine here. Powerful, deep doctrine. Great theology here in chapter 16 of Jeremiah. Verse 5. For thus saith the Lord, enter not into the house of mourning, neither go to lament nor bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, saith the Lord, even loving kindness and mercies. I had to take away my loving kindness and mercies from them. 10 through 16. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt show this people all these words, and they shall say unto thee, Wherefore hath the Lord pronounced all? Why did the Lord pronounce all this great evil uh, against us? Well, what is our sin? Or uh, that we have committed against the Lord our God? Then shall you say unto them, Jeremiah, because your fathers have forsaken me, saith the Lord, and have walked after other gods, or worshiped false, abominable, apostate creeds and have served them and have worshiped them and have forsaken me and have not kept my law and ye have done worse than your fathers for behold ye walk every one after the imagination of his evil heart that they may not hearken unto me therefore where i cast you out of this land into a land that ye do not over to babylon neither ye nor your fathers and there shall and there ye shall serve other gods you will worship the babylonian gods day and night where I will not show you any favor at all. He says here in 14, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. We've talked about this verse before, as he uh, will bring back the uh, gathering of Israel throughout all the world and from the land in the north. And we have this the highway being cast up out of the sea and going over and the, the people walking over on dry land. He says, uh, uh, but the, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands, whether he hath driven them, and I will bring them again to their own land that I gave unto their fathers, right? And so, you know, no, you know, no longer say, the Lord liveth that brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought back the ten tribes. 
Behold, I will send for many missionaries, many fishers who will be missionaries, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. That's how we do missionary work, right? We go for we start knocking on doors, right? Right? We start trying to talk to the people, knowing that the majority of people we come into contact with on our missions are going to reject the Lord, are not going to listen to the Lord. But to find those uh, from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks, we have to go to the rocks and look under the holes and look in the holes to, to pull them out, right? Nineteen through twenty-one. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. And that's what's happening here in the latter day restoration. The Gentiles are coming unto the Lord God. They are saying that our fathers worship these false apostate uh, creeds of the false uh, Christianity. Uh, you know, we've recognized now the true God of the Bible, the living Christ, uh, who rose from the dead and didn't just die on a cross only, but died from uh, on the cross and rose from the dead with the same body of flesh and bones he had in the New Testament that he let the apostles handle and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see that I have. And so they reject their false uh, the historical traditions of the apostate false christianity and accept the true jesus christ the true god of the bible true christianity and things wherein there is no profit shall a man make gods unto himself and they are no gods it's no good you use worshiping false uh, abominable creeds they're not gods they're not real that's not what the bible teaches therefore behold i will this once cause them to know i will cause them to know mine hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is yahweh all right moving now to chapter 17 and we'll look at verse 10 i the lord search the heart I tried the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Living, a living Christ, not a dead Christ, who died on the cross, and that was the end of the story. And somehow he floats around in the space and at the same time as nowhere presence and, and all this ridiculous stuff, right? The living Christ, the resurrected Christ, the risen Jesus is the living waters being compared to living waters that are alive, not dead. Twenty-seven. But if you will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath day, and, and so here we go, the importance of keeping the Sabbath day, and not to bear a burden, even entering in at the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in the gates thereof, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. So how does God feel about keeping the Sabbath day now, holy? It's willing to burn with fire that it be not quenched if the people refuse to keep his Sabbath day holy. Okay, chapter 18, verse 7 through 11. At what instant I shall speak concerning the nation and concerning the kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will change my mind and, and I, the, of the evil that I thought to do unto them. If I, if I had marked out this country or this kingdom for destruction, for cursing rather than blessing, if they turn unto me, I will change my mind about them. I will bless them instead of curse them. I will cause them to live rather than to die. And in verse 9, 
And at what, what instant I shall speak concerning the nation and concerning the kingdom to build in the planet. I'm going to promise this nation all kinds of nice blessings. But if they do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of that. It'll change my mind of, of having done good, of doing good to that country and blessing it. Wherewith I said I would benefit them. Instead, I will do it. Uh, cursing for blessing, death instead of life. Verse 11, now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, thus saith the Lord, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Therefore return everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good so I can bless you because I don't want to destroy you. I want to bless you. 19 through 23. Give heed to me, O Lord, and hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. So here's Jeremiah, right? You know, uh, um, shall evil be recompensed for good? For they have digged a pit for my soul. They're, all, they're out trying to kill me now, Lord. Remember that I stood before thee to speak good for them. I even, you know, like Jesus Christ, I, I was an intercessor for them. I I begged you, God, to, to spare them, to forgive them, to grant mercy upon them, and to turn away thy wrath from them. Therefore, deliver up their children to the famine. I've seen now, even though I kept begging thee for them on their behalf, they will not turn to thee. Therefore, go ahead now. Let the famine destroy them. Pour out their blood by the force of the sword, and let their wives be bereaved of their children. And be widows, and let their men be put to death. Let their young men be slain by sword and battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses, where now shall bring a troop suddenly upon them, for they have digged a pit to take me, and hid snares for my feet. And I was just trying to bless them. I was just trying to bring them thy word. Yet, Lord, thou knowest all their counsel against me to slay me. Forgive not their iniquity. All right, different than Jesus, right? Forgive them, Father, for they not know what they do. And a lot of people think that he was speaking only about the Roman soldiers and not the Jewish nation. He had already condemned the Jewish nation, said that the Babylonians would come conquer them, that the temple would be destroyed. It says, neither blot out their sin from thy sight, but let them be overthrown before thee. Deal thus with them in the time of thy anger. All right, and then finally today, chapter 20, verse 7 through 9. Okay, the beginning of this uh, chapter, we get this Pashur, the son of Immer, the priest, who's also the chief governor in the house of the Lord. He goes, he gets Jeremiah, because he'd heard that Jeremiah was prophesying that the temple would be destroyed, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, and he, and he smites him, right? He beats him up, he smites him. He uh, sticks him in the prison uh, uh, overnight. And so now Jeremiah's starting to get depressed about all this. Now he's been night and a night in prison. He's been beaten up. Uh, and, and so we get to verse uh, 7. And Jeremiah speaks to the Lord now in, in depression and uh, frustration. Oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I am derisen daily. Everyone mocks me, right? For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil. But people don't like that normally, right? Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, you know, I had a frustration, I had a depression. Look, that's it. I, I, I'm done. I, I tried to deliver your word to the people. They didn't want to hear me. They threw me in jail. They've beaten me up here. He says, so I will no longer make mention of the Lord, uh, nor speak any more in his name. I'm done. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to preach in God's name anymore. I'm not going to preach him yet, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I, I wanted to. I wanted to, uh, to stop mentioning the name of God. I wanted to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I could not. 
his word was in me as a as the fire uh, as a fire shut up in his bones, and he had to preach. He had no choice but to preach. Right? It was that was just eating him alive in there, just wanting to just come out and preach the word of God. What a great example here in the uh, prophet Jeremiah that it should be for all of us in trying to share the gospel with our friends, with our family, with our acquaintances that, you know, may we live in such a way and may we be studying the scriptures and praying and living our best and honoring God to the point that his word is a is, is this fire shut up in our bones, ready to come out at any time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of what they will think, regardless if they may mock you, regardless, you know, he that confesseth me before men, Jesus Christ said, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. May that be our example. May that be our guide. For those of you who have not yet had the opportunity to stand up for Jesus Christ and confess him before men, we invite you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to reach out to his missionaries. We'll put in the description of this video a link. Reach out to the missionaries. Let them know you're ready to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian, being baptized by those who have the proper authority and priesthood of God so that your baptism will be recognized by Jesus Christ himself. It will open up the gates of heaven and put you on that path that walks back to our Father's presence. May you go forward on that path and make that simple declaration, that simple acknowledgement of your faith and take upon you the name of Jesus Christ. Just reach out to those missionaries. They will help you with what you need. They will help teach you the basic principles of the gospel and prepare you for that glorious day of entering into the living waters of baptism, the living waters representative here as we saw earlier of the Lord Jesus Christ. May he will bless you. He will pour out his spirit upon you. You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost ghost to come upon you to lead you in all righteousness and to lead you in the paths in which you shall walk and which will be pleasing to your heavenly father and therefore give you happiness your you contentment knowing you're walking in the path he has planned for your life for those you found inactivity in the church we welcome you with full wide open arms to come back come back to the saints of god come back to the lord your redeemer and your lord and your savior these things, what a great lesson once again we had today of the Lord Jesus Christ. We testify once again throughout all the world that he is our Lord, our God, our King, that he is not a dead Christ who only died on the cross, but he is a living Christ who died on the cross, then rose from the dead on the third day, showed his hands and his body and his side to his disciples and said, behold, my body of uh, that I am not a spirit. I am a body of flesh and bones. Of him we worship. Of him we testify. Of him we declare to the whole world that he is the Lord our God. He is the one we desire to worship with all our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.